Well, I like, I didn't see deers out here. I like seeing the deers. They're, the, they're very like close uh, too. And the squirrels come up on you, been coming close up on this wagon trying to sniff it. I think they want food. They want food, yeah. yeah. Welcome to season two of Range. I'm your host, Amy Westervelt. And I'm your other host, Julia Ritchie. You might have heard that the National Park Service is celebrating a big milestone this year. This year, the Park Service turns 100 years old. These national treasures are more popular than ever. 300 million visitors last year alone. That's right. The Park Service is turning 100 years young. There are 59 national parks in the United States, comprising nearly 52 million acres of land. Unsurprisingly, most of them are in the western United States, and even more unsurprisingly, California has the most federal parks at 27. And because it's such a big year for the park system, we've also been reading a lot about the challenges it's facing. The one we're focusing on today is diversity. Or lack of diversity. Our partner High Country News has actually been doing a lot of the heavy reporting on this issue. They've been sort of the loudest in pointing out that even though the country is getting more diverse, the visitors and staffs of our national parks are overwhelmingly white. (laughs) More than 80 percent, in fact, of the National Park Service is white. And 80 percent of the National Park's annual visitors, that's to places like Zion National Park in Utah, Yellowstone in Wyoming, are also white. About 10 percent are Hispanic and African-Americans make up 7 percent. Compared to our percentage of the population, whites are overrepresented at parks by a whopping 14 percent. Anthony Williams, a Miami-based pollster, talked about this to our colleague on Gray, who did a story on diversity at parks. Voters of color are overwhelmingly already active in participating in outdoor activities, which I think flies in the face of the general perception because visitation rates at national parks, forests, and other national uh, public lands has lagged behind the white community, you know, the the implication has been, well, these minority communities simply aren't engaged or interested in these types of activities, and that couldn't be further from the truth. According to the National Poll of Minority Voters that Williams's group conducted on behalf of the New America Media Coalition, he found that 70 percent were engaged in the outdoors. And we also found that 57 percent of voters of color have visited a national public land facility in the past, Uh, And of that 57%, two-thirds have actually visited within the past three years. So there is an appetite for those types of activities. See, I think this shatters that stereotype. And because that stereotype exists, I don't think that the level of outreach and communication to communities of color uh, have been what they should be. But there are some groups that are tackling the issue of how to improve access to and diversity within national parks. Yeah, I contacted a woman named Teresa Baker who lives in the Bay Area and runs a blog called African American Explorations. She actually helps organize hiking groups um, to and around California. So um, she told me about this group called Hike Every Available Trail or HEAT in the Bay Area, and they were planning this trip in late August. So I kind of just decided to take this impromptu uh, road trip to Yosemite National Park, and it was my first time there, so I had this ulterior motive to see it. Um, And it came just a few weeks after President Obama had visited. 
So was it a total whiteout? <laughs> Not at all. Uh, they were offering free admission that weekend to the park. It's kind of expensive. Normally it's like $30 per vehicle to get in. Um, but since it was the actual centennial birthday, they were letting people in and it was swamped. We're talking every ethnicity under the sun was there. And, and of course, a lot of those people were from other countries too. But it kind of felt like Disney World. Disney World sounds like my worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Normally, I'm not into crowds either, but the atmosphere was pretty jovial, kind of like the amusement park minus long lines and kid tantrums. Um, One of the first women I ran into, Adele Ewing, she was sitting against a wooden fence with her granddaughter, um, who was sitting in a little wagon, and she said she was from Oakland, and this was her first time um, at Yosemite. Uh, Her daughter had kind of convinced her to take the trip. We didn't even know until we got here. So that's why we came. We wanted to get our, our end of the summer vacation. That's why we came. And do you normally visit national parks? No, not really. This is my first time being to this park, but you know I've been to Tilden. She actually had been to state parks that are closer to Oakland and Berkeley. Uh, so I asked her why she thought more minorities don't frequent parks. I don't know, most of them, most of them are not used to being outdoors out in the woods because they really, a lot of them don't get to go go to parks and stuff like that. They don't, they just keep their kids at home and let them play at home, so. That's interesting that she sort of has the same opinion that the pollster said is actually not true. And also that she did go to parks as a kid, just not the giant national ones that everyone thinks about. Right. It kind of speaks to the differences in our experiences. So after I talked to her, I kind of realized I was late meeting the hiking group. Um, So I randomly branched off to do this Nevada Falls hike. And it was a grueling three-mile uphill hike, I might add. Your calves are looking pretty toned. Thank you. Um, They're implants. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I ditched a lot of the crowd, actually, by going uh, up that Nevada Falls way. But to my pleasant surprise, I actually found this super cute couple, Lincoln and Catherine Casimir, and they were taking this selfie. And uh, when I asked them who they were, they said they were actually with that Bay Area group uh, of about 80 people. Oh, score. Totally. Uh, And then they politely tolerated me asking them really awkward questions on whether they had thought about the diversity issue facing the national park system. That does sound awkward, actually, like white lady coming up behind you on the trail. Like, can I talk to you about diversity? Yeah, it was really weird. I I felt kind of bad about it. Well, I mean, diversity? Well, we hike. This ain't our first time hiking, so we go hike regardless of um, diversity or not. But it is good if, you know, more folks did come out. Yeah, Yeah. and so, like, other than this, you said you go to state parks, too. Yeah, yeah. Which ones do you like a lot? Um... Places with waterfalls. We went to Al- Alamir's Falls. Altamir's Falls. Altamir's Falls. Uh, Mount Diablo. Mount Diablo. Well, we live in the city, so it's good to get out the city sometimes. You know, the city is the same old, same old, sitting in traffic every day. Yeah. You know, this is a change of pace and kind of, you know, get to know Scenery. nature. What were we talking about? The stone walls, the people. Um, you know, it's just good to see people out hiking and being active and enjoying nature. I met another guy, Suman, a software engineer who lives in Silicon Valley. He was visiting with some coworkers, and it wasn't his first trip to Yosemite, but he said the park system was one of his favorite things about living in the U.S. Um, I came to U.S. about four years ago from, uh, from India. Um, in India, it's predominantly it's very densely populated, and you have very less places. Like, we don't have a national park concept or anything. You just explore on your own. 
um, and at least my upbringing, we did not explore that many parks or we did not go out that much. So um, I think once we come here, we do get a chance to explore all these places and things. So I, I absolutely I have no idea why people don't explore when they have when they got the chance. Waterfall is so relaxing. I know. I ate a bag of kettle chips, uh, jalapeno flavored, while I was up <laughs> that there. That does not sound relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> but then I took a 30-minute nap at the top of Nevada Falls next to Suman. It was kind of incredible. Wait, you and Suman took a nap together? No, I, <laughs> he was actually... No. <laughs> this no, is a whole other side no, of this no. story. I literally... What happened was is I was like lying there on the rock like a lizard, just like sunning myself. And then I was like, mm, I should interview one more person. And he happened to be sitting like kind of close hey, to me. Hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, I should keep reporting while I'm up here because I'm never going to hike three miles up here again. So that's interesting. So despite the fact that you found plenty of people to talk to and the polls seem to suggest that minority groups love the outdoors, still only 1% of Yosemite visitors are African-American. And for other groups, it's even less. Right. Uh, and another factor that we haven't mentioned is there could be an expectation of lesser treatment by predominantly white staff that keeps some people away. And unfortunately, there are documented instances of this happening in the past. This is a big deal if we want to keep our park system. Apart from being a big deal just from like a human you know, standpoint. This is a big deal if we want to keep the parks. The NPS already has a $12 billion backlog of maintenance thanks to years of being critically underfunded. The last thing they need to do is be like cutting off half the population. Exactly. Uh, thanks, Congress. So the only way we're going to keep these parks operational over time is if we actually elect people who see the value in these types of natural monuments. A generation of people raised going to see the desert bloom in Death Valley or the Joshua trees in Southern California are more likely to vocalize that this is an area that needs funding and investment. You know, I've actually read a lot of studies about how people who have these experiences as a young person tend to be more environmentally responsible and just more like aware of natural resources in general, too. So it's good from that standpoint. That makes, too. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For the people running the park system, it also means making headway on actually diversifying staff okay. and doing a better job of combating those misperceptions about national parks. Here's pollster Anthony Williams again on that front. Many of these resources are relatively inexpensive or, in fact, free. So the perception that they are so far away, you know, I think people are thinking about Yellowstone or the Grand Canyon as opposed to taking advantage of all the recreational opportunities that may be available within, you know, an hour of them. Uh, so there really is an information gap, and we hope that the uh, agencies that manage these public lands will be more proactive in the way that they engage communities of color you know, doing things in a culturally sensitive way, utilizing ethnic media in order to help close that information gap. You know, it may take some time, but even that half day I spent hiking in Yosemite made me a little more optimistic about the future of our national parks. This episode of Range was produced Reynolds School of Journalism at the University of Nevada, Reno. This season, we also received support from the Nevada Humanities Council. Thanks, guys. Special thanks to David Whited, who does all of our original music, 
And if you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Our partner is High Country News, a magazine focused on Western issues. Check them out at hcn.org. And if you have an idea for a show or want to tell us about your favorite national park memory, shoot us a note at howtogetrangepodcast.org. For more frequent updates and to see the cool illustrations for each episode by artist James Guthman, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Range Podcast. <laughs> Little known fact, the least visited national park in the system is Isle Royale in Michigan. That sounds like a Bond film like starring like Pierce Brosnan. Isle yeah. Royale. It kind of feels like that. You have to you have to drive like way the fuck up Michigan and take a ferry. That's five hours on the ferry. Are there sharks? Because there are always no. sharks. Okay. Because it's Lake Superior. Although there's like a lot of mystery fish that supposedly live in Lake Superior. And um, yeah, definitely only saw white people there. (laughs) Whitey Island. (laughs) 